2: Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Terry Connor
3: to my Mick McCarthy.
2: It's Justin Peach.
3: Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, how are you? I'm very good. I've got nothing to report. It's been a very bland weekend. I mean, I went to the Coventry game yesterday. No football it's this morning. Exciting. It was all right. It was a pretty average game as, as far as games go. Yeah, well, there we go. Well,
2: hopefully your next week is even more productive than this let's one see, has been.
3: See. On the show this week, we have Jane Stewart,
2: who's a Blackpool blogger and vlogger. Jane, how are you?
4: I'm very well. We've had a magnificent week uh, with, a, with, a, with a great comeback in the week and a, a nice derby win yesterday as well. So it couldn't be better, I have to say.
2: Yeah, I thought you might be feeling <laughs> quite positive heading into this weekend. Also with us is Paul Mann from the Reading podcast Elm Park Royals. Paul, how's it going?
1: Not quite as well, I have to say. Yeah. Um Blackpool is still haunting me. Um let's not bring up that game at all, Ryan. Let's just not go there
2: at all. <laughs> so we'll talk about a different game instead. Which yeah. Very good either. Uh, welcome to the number one championship specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. A lot to talk about this week. Of course, we've had the sacking of Mick McCarthy at Cardiff, possibly the least shocking news of the season, actually. Uh, We'll get onto that in a bit because the championship is proving to be as competitive as ever. The teams sat from 5th to 11th. are all on 21 points, separated only by goal difference. One of those teams is Blackpool, who won 2-0 this weekend against big rivals Preston in the West Lancashire derby. Jane, how's it feel to have bragging rights?
4: Oh, it feels absolutely magnificent. It was so weird because it's been a long time since we played Preston. Um, I was actually looking at research for, for my blog that I was writing last night that we haven't actually played them in the league since before we were in the Premier League. We just missed them, you know, on our way down. Um, and to, to to play them yesterday, it was it was strange because we haven't played them for so long. And I didn't really know how to feel because they've not really been in my life. I mean, Blackpool weren't in my life for for five years of of that interim period because we had the boycott, obviously. So I did an interview for Radio Lancashire on the Friday night. Like, how do you feel? I'm like, I can see people around me getting really excited and really wound up for this game. And I'm like, I just don't really know how to feel. And and it was strange during the game yesterday as well because it was so I was so calm and there was no stress at all during that game. We were so dominant. From the start, uh, all the way through to half-time, we were 1-0 up, completely calm. Even my partner Lee was calm, and he's normally such a stress head during the games. But there was just nothing to get wound up about because we're just good. We're, we're just, I think we're just something's just clicked, um, and it's 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 wonderful. And now we're joint fifth, which is is just wow.
2: Yeah, absolutely. That first goal was a bit weird, wasn't it? Keshi Anderson scored it, but it seemed to go in in slow motion. I couldn't yeah. really work out what happened. Uh, but as a neutral, I thought, Black Paul edged it, and so from what you're saying, you thought he was fully deserved the three points.
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, we carried on from—I'm sorry, uh, Paul—but it carried on from where we left off at Reading on Wednesday night because I thought we were we were completely dominant in that match as well. And we started off the first half on Saturday it was just the same again, and and we haven't been like this before Wednesday night that we're just attack, 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 but really looking frightening. Uh, looking like we should be winning penalties all the time, and and that was just how it was, and that's how they they're making us feel now that we're not concerned anymore because we've we've got it now. Something's just it's clicked, and this happened last season, but it didn't happen until later last season. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see just just how far we can go. Well,
2: that's going to be my next question because as we say, you're level on a level on points with a flurry of teams, including Luton and Middlesbrough, who sit in the top six currently. Are Blackpool fans eyeing up the top six?
4: Well, I was asked this before the season started, and I said, realistically, it would be nice to finish top half and, at best, playoffs. Um, It was never, ever a case of, we're just going to try and see if we can stay up. That just doesn't enter our heads because this, this team, this squad, this club have got such high targets and they know how good they are. And we know how good our head coach, Neil Critchley, is. He's going to go on to... I mean, I'd, I had someone really taking the rip out of me on, on Twitter yesterday for, for for saying this. But he is one of the most highly qualified coaches in Europe, if not the world, with his level of coaching badge. There's not many have got that level of coaching badge. And he will... I believe, he certainly go on to managing the Premier League, whether that's with us or with, with somebody else. He, he could well be a future England manager, um, and he's that good, and he's always there on the sidelines with his notepad, and he's, he's he's noting down things where we can improve, and he's always looking for ways we can improve, and we've got an owner who's looking to improve the club as a whole, and I don't see, we're only going in one direction, uh, and I, I believe, I think, the, the, the level of belief that is around the club at the moment is like it was in 2009-10, in if not more so, actually, because we've actually got the backing of, of proper owners this time. So we're, we're going to get there.
2: Just jotting that down, Neil Critchley, future England manager. Yeah, that's, trust me, that's honestly. Cl- that's clipped for Twitter, sorted straight away. Um, <laughs> see what other people think about that. Uh, I, I, I love Neil Critchley. I think he's a brilliant manager in his own right. We've said it plenty of times this season, haven't we, Justin? Uh, mm. But let's talk about Preston with you. It's not going to stop Preston fans complaining, is it, about Frankie McAvoy, who Preston fans say isn't the answer. They're 19th now, only a point ahead of Peterborough, who haven't had a great season, have they? So mm. do you think Preston could be in trouble?
3: Yeah, it's a difficult one to answer because I don't think... I mean, the squad of players that they've got, they should be a lot further away from the bottom three, but they're probably not good enough to be competing for the top six like they have been in previous years. But it's games like this where you've got to question the mentality of the players... And even the manager, because uh, as Jane said, they were in cruise control. It was easy for them. At no point did they feel stressed. That shouldn't be in a supporter's mindset for a derby game. Um, and that's a damning indictment of how Preston performed. They, they really weren't at the races. It took until the 96th minute for a bit of fight to to sink into the, the Preston players. And unfortunately, it was Alan Brown getting involved needlessly at the end of the game. <laughs> Yeah, I always enjoy seeing that in the derby,
2: I've got to say, even though I probably shouldn't say that. Uh, but <laughs> let's move on. Reading suffered back-to-back losses after being beaten 2-0 by Blackburn. Uh, Paul, tell us about the game. It looked as if it was probably a fair result.
4: Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Again, the same as it was against Blackpool in the week. Um, I think it's one of those ones. I think the Championship throws up these games every single season. The first team to score on Saturday, I think, would have got on to win. It wasn't as convincing from Blackburn as it was by Blackpool during the week. But... Yeah, I never felt that we were going to score. We pushed and we pushed and we tried. It was no lack of effort, but just no quality in front of goal. And we looked tired. We looked like we're a team that's got no ability to change up any players, 14 players still injured. I know other clubs are thinking, you spend spent an absolute fortune, you idiots, and you've still got no players. But it's what, where, where we're at. We've got this craziness going on at our club. And it's really difficult because people are saying, oh, you know, yesterday we should have brought on young players, but you don't want to put them on in situations which can damage them going forward. So, yeah, I'd like another international break, to be honest, Ryan. I really would, yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, for Blackburn's first goal, Joe Rothwell went on a great one, did all this hard work and had a shot that it hit the post. And then Mm. it was tapped in by Sam Gallagher. And I've never seen a player be so annoyed about his team scoring because Rothwell was like, he's getting all the credit after all the hard work i've done uh, but tari stolen scored a lovely goal as well and he's a top player isn't he, justin
3: right he's he's, he's quality and he's, he's he's been a bit um hit and miss at times but he's he's still 19 20 years old but to think that blackburn got him on a free transfer um from preston uh believe it or not is 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 incredible and again he's a player who's going to go right to the top because he's got all the ability in the world and um, fantastic one to watch as well and He's a key difference in tight games like this. Like Paul said, Blackburn did enough or too much. But when you've got quality like that going forward, it's going to help.
2: I'll tell you what, Paul, I think you've got to give some praise to Velko Panovic this season, haven't you? Because obviously he didn't get the result yesterday or in midweek, but sat 13th. And that's despite not really having a decent striker all season. He had Deli Basharou up front yesterday and he's a midfielder. So if the cards Panovic has been dealt, he's doing all right, isn't he? That's
1: such a sly dig at Puskas there, Ryan. That really is. That, is such <laughs> an <laughs> <into>. <laughs> that really is. But yeah, no, I know exactly what you're saying. We're missing Jao. We're missing Maytay. And yeah, I think Panovic has done a, a fantastic job so far. There was a lot of um, fans up against him in the first five or six games before the first international break, when we were atrocious, to be fair, kind of topped off by the 4-0 defeat at Huddersfield. When we were lucky, it was 4-0. It could have easily been 6 or 7. But overall... He's very good at bringing young players through. That is something that we've seen. We've seen with Omar Richards now at Bayern Munich and starting yesterday. And also with Elise at Crystal Palace. So if anyone can deal with the situation that we're in, I think it is Panovic. And there's absolutely no way we should be changing manager or even considering it, even if we do drop off again, because there's a whole battalion of teams only
2: two points away from the playoffs, isn't there? It's, that championship is so open still. Yeah, well, the obvious elephant in the room with Reading is that looming points deduction. And it's kind of just lurking in the background at the moment, isn't it? Like peeping behind some rocks, looking over to see if everyone's still talking about it. But having said that, a nine point deduction now would still mean you're outside of the relegation zone. So I'm guessing the expectation this season is to stay up. I don't really know what to think with Reading at the moment.
1: Yeah, for me, it's 100% staying up. I mean, obviously, it depends on whether we get six, nine, four. Who knows with the EFL? You're never quite sure. We could end up giving us extra points. Nothing's impossible. But I look forward to just finding out. It's the weight, isn't it? Trying to find out when we're going to get it. We'll probably get it right at the end of the season when it's absolutely critical. But I still think if it's six points, I think we'll stay up. If it's nine, that's a push. Because psychologically, if you're then back in the relegation fight when you're actually not that near it at the moment, that would be really draining for the players. And I do wonder how the fans would react to that because it is a fully deserved deduction. Let's not pretend it, is. it wouldn't be. But yeah, I hope it comes soon, but I know it won't. It just, it just won't happen soon. So that's a worry. It's kind of, yeah, it's the nightmare that you woke up to every morning, but you just try and ignore it. And it just keeps on coming back a about. But at some point, it will be reality.
2: Yeah, you you are quite fortunate, really, that there are you know other teams who have also had points deductions, and there were some bang average teams in the division this season so I, I think Reading will be all right in all honesty but nonetheless Jane and Paul thank you both for now we'll return to you both later to play Simon Grayson's hateful eight in the meantime Justin and myself are going to go around the grounds and we'll start off with Cardiff the Mick McCarthy era has finally been put down after they lost 2-0 at home to Middlesbrough Tom Phillips is from the Cardiff podcast view from the Ninian and it's got to be said Tom this performance really summed up how pants Cardiff have been recently don't it
5: yeah definitely it was absolutely awful yesterday um we made Middlesbrough look like Pep Guardiola's Barcelona it was ridiculous they had 13 14 shots in the first half they were just slicing through us and you know we have nothing in midfield and to be honest with you 2-0 probably flattered us They, they they battered us to be honest we had a 10 minute purple patch in the second half where we probably should have scored But outside of that, we created absolutely nothing. And, you know, that's unforgivable at home against a team like Middlesbrough as well. And and no disrespect to Middlesbrough. They're a decent side, but we should be creating chances and they shouldn't be dominating us in that fashion. And, yeah, as soon as the 90 minutes were up, you know, you knew he was gone. You know, I thought he might have to the international window, but that that was was so bad yesterday. He, He had to go at the end of that performance.
2: Yeah, and it brings to an end a pretty dismal period for Cardiff fans. What do you think has been Mick McCarthy's biggest mistake? Of course, when things like this happen, there's always numerous mistakes.
5: But if there's one particular thing, what do you think it was? I think his biggest mistake doesn't come on the field. I think it's it's off the field. And I said in the, in the, the season preview that if I had one bit of advice for him, it would be to build a rapport with the fans like Neil Warnock did. And yesterday summed that up. You know, we just lost two 0 and we our fans are cheering the opposition manager. He just didn't build any sort of rapport with the fans. You know, we're simple folk, Cardiff fans. Just come and give us a clap. Come and give us a wave. You know, do the ayatollah. It's a simple gesture. And he didn't do it once, and he would have just been forgiven some of the performances a little bit more if he was liked by the fans. And he just did, he did nothing in his whole tenure to do that. You know, it started so well, you know, we, we won, I think it was seven or eight games on the bounce at one point. And it just went downhill from there. And, you know, if he'd built a little bit of a relationship with the fans, I think, you know, he would have been forgiven some of his tactical errors. But yeah, that, that is the biggest thing for me. Definitely.
2: Well, it's the million dollar question, Tom, who do you want to see come in? Chris Wilder is the current favorite. Jody Morris is another contender in the betting. Um, Either of those two, you take your fancy or is there someone else?
5: Yeah, Chris Wilder for me is the one. I think the job he did in Northampton, the job he did at Sheffield United, just unbelievable. And I think Cardiff would be a project that would suit him, to be honest with you. Um, it'd be interesting to see if we can afford him though. You know, I think he was in the running for the, the Forest job at one point as well and didn't go there. So I you know the rumours are he was at that Fulham game the other night. And if he wasn't interested in the role, why would he be there? But no, Chris Wilder for me would definitely be my top pick. I think other Cardiff fans are looking at people like Craig Bellamy, like Mark Hudson, you know, former fans' favourites. But for me, that might be a little bit risky at this point. I think at the moment, we just want to survive. We we want to stay up in the Championship and build from there. So a young manager may not be... It might not be the right opportunity for them at the moment. Um, and it, to be honest, it could ruin their career if they came in now. Um, so yeah, Wilder for me.
2: Cheers, Tom. Always interesting to hear who the fans want to see come in. We'll get your thoughts on that in just a sec, Justin. But big mix gone, and the only real surprise for me is that it took this long to happen.
3: Yeah, it's a, well, it's a club record, isn't it? Eight defeats in a row. It's not particularly great, uh, a great position to be in. I, th- I don't think it's just the defeats, because you can lose by playing well sometimes, but to lose the way Cardiff were doing um, just smacks of uh, underperformance to be very polite about it. Um, they've conceded a lot of goals, not scored many in that run of eight defeats as well. So the writing really was on the wall for, for Mick McCarthy, but I think there's uh, deeper issues uh, at the root of the club at the moment. I don't think a new manager is going to solve them very, very quickly. Mm. They have been so poor over the last few weeks, haven't they? And with the plays
2: they've got, that really shouldn't be happening. <laughs> the majority of this squad is a you know genuine top six squad. But they've been playing like they've never even met each other before. Mm. Goals has been an issue all season. We've spoken about creativity loads of times on this podcast, haven't we, Justin? It's going to be an issue for whoever comes in. I completely agree with you there. But even then, they have squandered some unbelievable chances. I mean, Kiefer Moore looks class for Wales, but then has been really bang average for Cardiff this season. And James Collins hasn't scored yet, but has one of the highest individual expected goals records mm-hmm. in the division. So the, the sign that this was really going wrong for me was at the back. Because in the last 10 months or whatever, in Mick McCarthy's reign, um, they've relied a lot on having a solid defence, haven't they? But in the last few weeks, it's been anything but. They've conceded 17 goals in six games. It's just been a real, mm-hmm. real mess, hasn't it?
3: Quite right. And I think they've got good defenders. look at Aidan Flint, who has probably played his best football since he was at Bristol City under Mick McCarthy Sean Morrison we know is a, is a top top player at this level probably one of the best uh, and Curtis Nelson again is a very good centre half um, and then there's obviously a bit of changing around in the wing back positions if you're not scoring as many goals or creating as many chances as Cardiff do tying it up be as defensive as you possibly can it's boring and it's crap but you're still going to get results and you're not going to be in the position you're in now where you're fighting relegation let's be honest that's the that's the reality of the situation out at cardiff just be boring and defensive but they've not even been able to do that which is a surprise given the experienced defenders that they do they do have at the club big question then justin who do you think should take over chris wilder
2: is the current favorite
3: i mean I, i've said that the, the roots go a lot deeper than just changing the manager there's a massive imbalance in the squad there's a lot of old players um, at the at the back end of their peak years and there's a lot of young players coming through not even entering their their peak phase so whoever comes in as manager will find it difficult Chris Wilder will be a very good shout um, but he's got no money to spend I know he's done that with Sheffield United before but it's going to be very difficult left field choice for me I know he's one of the favourites at least is Michael Flynn he's a, he's a good attacking coach did wonders at Newport under very tight under very tight constraints there, budget-wise. So, yeah, I think I think one of those two would, would be a good appointment. The issue
2: Cardiff have got is the squad is only suited to one style of play, really, yeah. isn't it? And no disrespect to him, but you can't turn to Aidan Flint and say, I want you playing out from the back, because you, you've just got to go with a manager who likes to play direct, and that's partly down to... The recruitment that they've done where mm-hmm. they've just you know been suited with the past three managers being very direct so of course Wilder would be the ideal choice I'm not saying he plays long ball but I think he can get the most out of the players who are there yeah a manager I'd go for is Chris Houghton sure he's just come off the back of a nightmare spell at Forest, but he's a bloody good manager at this level isn't he and his last job shouldn't define him as you know a bang average manager Forest is the only club where he hasn't done an amazing job and mm-hmm. At this level, there aren't many better. The squad would suit the style of play. I mean, Kiefer Moore, Glenn Murray. I'm getting comparisons there already. <laughs> Hewton knows how to work with that kind of striker. And then defensively, they would be solid again. So Wilder would be my first choice, I think. But if he's unattainable, possibly too, costing too much or just doesn't want to go there, then I'd go for Hewton. I think he'd be a brilliant appointment. Um, but we should probably talk about the game of football, Justin, that happened this week and involving Cardiff. was, of course, a 2-0 loss to Borough who...
3: Could have scored more, really, couldn't they? They were really card- carving Cardiff open at times. Uh, they've got good players, haven't they, Borough? And it's taken until now for them to really show their quality. Um, and that's amidst a, a bit of an injury crisis for them. But you look at certain players, I mean, McNair is consistently good. Um, Piero, when he came into the game, was fantastic. Sparrow looks a threat up front. Yeah, there's, there's quality just oozing out of the sides at the moment. And, and as I say, that's, you know, defensive injury crisis uh, is happening at the same time so I mean fair play to everyone you look at Sol Bamber as well comes into this game absolutely dominates every single phase of play that he came across he was fantastic in this game Um, so yeah you've really got to give credit to Borough because it was a controlled performance probably disappointed he didn't score more but 2-0 win away from home you come away happy
2: yeah, it's remarkable how good Sol Bamba's been since coming into the team, considering everything that he's been through. And Martin Piero played again. He, he looked class. He does. And he, he has just been brilliant since coming into the team, hasn't he? Borough now sixth. Don't want to put a dampener on it too much, but as I said in midweek, Hall, Peterborough, Barnsley, and Cardiff. Runs of games don't get much easier than that, so I won't be getting too carried away. However,. This will give the players confidence, won't it? Because they were lacking that massively before. Another team currently occupying the playoffs is Luton, who beat Hull 1-0. But for the Tigers, they've now lost three on the bounce and continue to sit in the bottom three. Joel Robinson is from the To Hull and Back podcast. How was it on Saturday,
6: Joel? Uh, I think in terms of the game, we didn't play too bad. It's just that, once again, in the final third... We're not doing what we need to be doing, there's there's a lack of ideas there, which means we're not taking our chances and we're losing these games 1-0, 2-0, 3-0. Um, it was quite a toxic atmosphere at the end of the game, um, towards McCann especially. I don't think the players got too much back from the fans, but uh, McC- McCann got a lot, of, um, a lot of abuse at the end of the game from a section of our supporters, so... Uh, the, the game, as as a whole, it was a better performance than usual, but it's still not good enough to what we need. Yeah, of course we don't
2: condone abuse, but he does deserve criticism, doesn't he? Because we've been saying loads of times recently that Hull keep playing this four-two-three-one, which hasn't worked all season, and then the one game where they changed to a three-five-two, they won. But then he's gone back to this four-two-three-one, and his stubbornness with this formation is costing Hull points, isn't it?
6: Yeah, it seems to be a repeat of the season we went down last time, where we had a complete capitulation. We're going with the same formation, the same players. We're not our best player, Josh Emmanuel. I'd say, isn't being played because he's playing Louis Coyle in at uh, right back. But in that formation against Middlesbrough, Emmanuel was at wing back, and he was the best player on the pitch. So to change it up from that win was it's just confusing, I don't understand why he's doing it because. If he goes with that that Middlesbrough game, builds on that, we'll pick up results, we'll stay up, and fans might start to actually enjoy going to games again because at the moment we're just not enjoying it. We're not we're not enjoying watching Grant McCann's football, and that's why we want him to go.
2: Well, simple question then, Joel. How long do you think he's got left?
6: In all honesty, I don't know how long he's got long. How long he's got left? Um. It seems like he's untouchable at the moment with, with our current ownership, with there being a possible takeover on the horizon. We've been in this situation before and it's not happened. So, Ihab Alan will not want to pay Grant McCann off to leave. The only way McCann will leave at the moment is if he leaves on mutual agreement where he won't get a payout, which I don't see happening. So, yeah, like I say, I don't expect him to go soon. We, we want him to go. Um if we keep losing, he's got to go. That's that's how I see it. But will the owners see it like that? Probably not, because they don't care.
2: Thank you, Joel. A fairly comfortable win in the end for Luton, who were barely caused any problems by Hull, really, were they? It's hard to find much encouragement for them at the moment, isn't it? They've had a couple of occasions this season where it looked like they might finally get going, but it keeps seemingly being one step forward and then two steps back for Hull,
3: doesn't it? It does, but that's just because of the situation they're in. They have an inexperienced squad. They they lack um, championship quality in areas as well, and they've got a manager who, let's be honest, has a very bad record at championship level. I think he's uh, got fifteen points from one hundred and five in uh, in his. Well, he's got fifteen points out of his last hundred and five in the championship so far, which is not is not good at all, and um, it doesn't look like it's going to change either because obviously there's this impending takeover that might happen. So they're not going to want to sack. Um, the manager so it, it's going to continue for Hull and as you quite rightly say they look like they, they might have turned a corner then they fall backwards another couple of steps and that's going to keep happening until things change at the club
2: For anyone interested in knowing what formation Hull went with again it was another four two three one. why he keeps persisting with this formation considering they won with a completely different formation not long ago I have no idea really doesn't make any sense to me at all as Joel was just saying. There was a really odd moment in this game where Luton crossed the ball in and whole goalkeeper Matt Ingram chested it away. Uh, I'm, I'm not really sure what he was doing okay. there, but uh, it, I'm not sure if it was showboating or what. But nonetheless, Elijah Adebayo got Luton's goal. He's now got six goals in seven games, Justin. He's someone I'm a massive fan of and he has missed a fair few chances mm-hmm. earlier in the season, but now he's confident and over those last seven games, he's really been getting points on the board for the Hatters. Ante.
3: He has, and I'll be honest with you, I do agree with you, I think Adebayo is fantastic. I actually think he's one of the best forwards in the league. It's just, for me, being consistent with... Um, converting those chances because once he does that, he's going to score a lot, um, and he's got the profile to be a very good Premier League striker. You look at his um, ability to find space in the box and time his, his goal against Hull showed that, and against Derby in midweek as well showed that. Physically, he, he's he's got the Premier League um, aspect about him. He's gonna he's gonna cost the club a lot of money um, if they buy him from Luton, um, which is great for Luton because you know he wasn't a big investment and he gives them a lot of value and of of course he's scoring goals as well so if you give him chances he's he's going to put them away He's, he's a brilliant player
2: well, he's the kind of striker who adds a lot more to the team, doesn't he? Because mm-hmm. he, he, he's happy to bully defenders around. He works hard, re- really hard, in fact. Uh, and he can run with the ball as well. He, he's a great all-round striker. It was just earlier in the season, the putting the ball in the back of the net, which obviously is a very important part of a striker's <laughs> game, was lacking a bit. But in the past seven games, he has been irresistible. Absolutely. I love him. I think he's a really good striker at this level. Uh, Luton, now fifth. I see no reason why they can't still be in the top six coming the end of the season. I think they'll be at least in the playoff battle nonetheless. Peterborough have recorded back-to-back wins for the first time this season. They beat QPR 2-1 thanks to a last-minute winner from Syriki Dembele. Dan Weldon is from the Peterborough podcast. The Yellow Block, what a win for the posh, Dan.
0: Yeah, it's a great win for us. Obviously, QPR were fifth coming into the day um, and we were sitting just above the, uh, the relegation zone. So it's... Obviously, just in that in itself, it's a really good result for us. Um, but I think really the performance that we we gave was absolutely fantastic. You can't fault anybody on the team, really. Um, up to a man. <clears throat> absolutely brilliant. The keeper made some great stops, kept us in the game early on. Um, QPR's crossing wasn't the best, and we made full advantage of that, obviously getting the winner in extra time as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think really we don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Obviously, it's still early days. It's only two wins back to back, and one of them was Hull. But we really want to make this our catalyst I guess, um, obviously everyone on the podcast is thinking that this could be the turning point in the season, everyone's starting to click together, we've got the captain back, uh, Johnson Clark-Harris comes back in the next game as well, so you know, ideally we would uh, capitalise on this and, and really start pushing to get some points from the next couple of games.
2: Yeah, well, it's the first back-to-back wins of the season after a disappointing start, really. Um, During that time, me and Justin were criticising Darren Ferguson for the way things were going. Um, But people, fans, were telling us it's not Darren Ferguson's fault. Could you just explain for us why people, fans, maybe even including you, think that's the case?
0: Yeah, so we've had quite similar conversations on the podcast recently. Um, One of our boys, Tim, thinks that, you know, all the blame rests solely on Fergie. Obviously, it's been well documented that we haven't recruited very well in the summer, all things considered. Um, And obviously, we've played the last sort of five, six weeks without uh, more than one striker, if any striker at all, in the squad. I mean, that's mainly down to injuries and and suspensions more than anything else. Um, But obviously, you know, the manager deserves a little bit of flack for for the recruitment and lack of striker in the squad. That being said, you know, I don't really think that we should be discussing getting rid of the manager quite yet. I think, obviously, the last two performances have been quite good, especially QPR. Obviously, you know, we're starting to pick up points now where we need to, and all things seem to be sort of clicking. So, yeah, he deserves quite a lot of flack for the away performances and, and a bit of the recruitment, but really, you know, we're doing what we can with what we can. So, I don't think there's any issue.
2: Yeah, well, you were saying a minute ago about this possibly being a catalyst for things turning around for Peterborough. How confident are you of Peterborough staying up this season? Because thus far, it does look like it's going to be a relegation battle.
0: Yeah, of course. Look, we're all hopeful as, as Peterborough fans. I don't really think anybody's thrown us under the bus quite yet. Um, we know that the squad in its core has a lot of talent um quite a lot of ability to be at this level. It's just whether the the sort of the depth is there and. So far this season, really, bar a couple of performances that have been absolutely outstanding, we've not really shown that the depth is there. We've not really had you know that that incredible sub to bring on, unless you know some of our starters haven't started that day, i.e. Suriki Dembele and and the like. But ideally, you know, we're we're going to pick up points now against the teams that are are down there with us. You know, you look at Swansea; they're doing really badly at the moment, so you know they're there for the taking next week, hopefully. Um, and we've got some other games coming up against bottom bottom half opponents. So, yeah, we're very hopeful still. Um, but th- there's a lot of the season still to go. Um, and we'll see where it takes us. Thank you, Dan. I
2: tell you what, Justin, you pick bad times to get off the fence and slag off teams, don't you? I mean, you said Peterborough mid-table at the start of the season. They start terribly. And then when you say you've got no hope for them, they win two on
3: the bounce. Sort it out, Peach. What do I say now? Is I, there any point in me opening my mouth on Peterborough? Because whatever happens, the opposite is is going to happen. So I've got no idea what to say. But credit to them, they, they're turning around the form. And they didn't panic. Obviously, they went one 0 down against a very good side here. So absolutely fair play to Peterborough for making me look a mug twice.
2: <laughs> well, what we'll do is I'll stick a ten on them to go down, and then you just keep saying all season that they'll stay up. I'll be practically printing money, basically. Uh, but a good game, this. Both teams creating plenty of chances. QPR had some really good openings, so it was quite impressive that their only goal came from Elias Chair, scoring directly from a corner. Not sure what the keeper Cornell was doing for that, I've got to yeah. say. But nonetheless, another three points on the board for Posh, and the now 20th with a five-point cushion on the relegation zone. And you'd hope that this win would give them some much-needed confidence, because they've been seriously lacking it so far, haven't they?
3: Yeah, you're quite right. The confidence factor is important for any team building momentum and consistency and, and Peterborough, it looks like it's starting to filter into how they play. You look at midweek, they were brilliant against Hull, fantastic on the break uh, as well and they carved open uh, some good chances. Um, in this game, very composed in their passing. As I mentioned, they went one or down, they didn't panic. They kept going, they kept going, they kept going and, and, and they got there. They can be naive at times but they've got a good group of attacking players and you get them all playing well at the right time. At the same time, they're going to score goals and they did that. And um, Dembele, I don't think we talk about Dembele enough because he is a talent. Same with Jack Taylor, very good player.
2: What do you think they're going to do now? Do you think they're going to stay up or go down? I'm just making a note so I can bet on them next week.
3: (laughs) <laughs> I say, um I, say, I, I don't know what to say honestly i've got no idea what to say because as i as i mentioned whatever i say the opposite's going to crack on
2: <laughs> i haven't been able to crack him yet listeners we'll find out in midweek um I haven't written down where I got this stat from, so I apologise to whoever posted it on Twitter, but out of all the teams in the Championship, QPR have played against the fourth-hardest opposition this season based on where they are in the league. So quite interesting that, despite that, they were sat fifth prior to this weekend and then lose to a side that's been languishing in the bottom three for most of the season. Very strange indeed. Uh, Justin, let's have a break. After that, we'll talk about a South Yorkshire derby and West Brom battering Bristol City. Welcome back to the second tier podcast. In a South Yorkshire derby between Sheffield United and Barnsley, it finished 3-2 to the Blades. Slovici Akanovic's boys were 3-0 up before a nervy last 15 minutes. Not sure you're going to agree with me on this, Justin, but I think this is a weird case where both teams will be fairly content with how this went. Sheffield United obviously getting the win, while Barnsley I don't think would have expected to get anything from this game. And for the first time in a while, there have been some positives from the final period of this game.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I thought Barnsley over the last couple of weeks or the last couple of games, I should say, have improved. They have started to create more chances. Um, and it's obviously filtered into the game a little bit. I don't think there was too much to separate the sides. I think it was just Sheffield United's quality that edged them um, in this game. Because you look at, again, you just look at the players that they've got available to them. Lise Mousset is not a bad Premier League player um, when fit and firing. Um, and, he, and he's put a double away today. And as you quite rightly say, I mean, the first half was absolutely terrible. Probably an indictment of where both teams are at the moment. But, yeah, not too much to separate them other than the quality of players and the quality of chances that were carved out.
2: Well, Yukanovic kind of, sprung a bit of a surprise, really, by starting Mousset and McBurney Throughout this season, he's been sticking with Sharp up front, but the signs are to place two strikers who haven't really hit form so far this season. So it was a bit of a weird one, but Muse paying back with two good goals. Um, and he's someone, if he is on form, oh, I suppose you could say this about pretty much every striker sheffield <laughs> United yeah. have got, but he is another one, isn't he, who went on form. He's a bloody good player and hopefully this is something that takes him on to the next level. But you're quite right, Barnsley have got better going forwards, but that's come at the cost and them not being very good at the back. And I suppose we've sort of seen that in this game, but they were on a bit of a... Scoreless streak, weren't they? So getting two goals here will do them a world of good, um, especially when they badly need it because they've looked pretty woeful at times so far this season. West Brom three, Bristol City 0. This man, this match ended up finishing half an hour later than all the other three o'clocks because Nathan Baker needed lengthy treatment, and then there were two separate medical emergencies in the crowd. Uh, but I fancy Bristol City to get a result here because of their good away form and. In the end, as far as one-sided games go, this was right up there, wasn't it, Justin?
3: Yeah, I mean, West Brom were composed. They were sleek with the ball compared to other games. They controlled the game pretty much how they used to. I don't know why I'm saying that as like really past tense, but the first four games of the season, West Brom were fantastic, weren't they? And it had elements of that in there, which is what I'm trying to get at. Um, but they pressed well, they were convincing, and Bristol City were kept at arm's length, probably further than arm's length if you're a you know, person with really long arms. Um, yeah, they, they, they had no chance in this game at all. Very good game from Westbrook, no idea where I was going with that. <laughs> how,
2: how far arm's length are we talking? Are we talking like Aiden Flint arm's length?
3: Well, I try to remember the guy out of Fantastic Four, the guy whose arms stretch.
2: Oh, as far yeah. as they
3: possibly can. I just can't remember his name, and it's really bad. Marvel knowledge. Like, like but, Mr. You know. Tickle, Mr. Tickle arm's length. Yes, I guess so. He's got long yeah. arms, yeah. But He's he got really uses long them arms. for the wrong reasons, I think. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Award-winning podcast,
2: ladies and gentlemen. Um, <laughs> I, fanci- <laughs> I was saying in midweek how... You know, West Brom haven't dominated as many games as Bournemouth and Fulham, have they? So this was a good time for them to do it. The interesting thing is, this is a West Brom side which was fairly altered, wasn't it? They were missing Livermore and Mow in the centre of the park. Two key players as well. Then they had Robert Snodgrass playing there instead, who hasn't featured for a long time, alongside Jason Molumby. But they were both great. And then Callum Robinson was also benched, and it was just going to show how much strength and depth they've got compared to the other sides in the division. But it was a much-needed big performance from them ahead of a gigantic game next weekend. Just the small matter of Fulham away, which is a right old fire isn't it? Um, Some Bristol City fans were apparently singing You're Getting Sacked in the Morning to Nigel Pearson. I'm told it was only a small minority, but still seems bizarre.
3: Yeah, it's... I, the, what, where has this come from from supporters About saying this for their own manager I know things aren't going well for a lot of them But it, Your team doesn't need to hear that When you're up against it um, it's, yeah, it's it's frustrating That little habit that football supporters Have uh, developed over the last couple of weeks But look, Nigel Pearson has d- Done an okay job With Bristol City, I think um, This game, they they were bad it's going to take a bit of time for, for Bristol City to, to come out the other end of this, I guess, bit of a transition out of the Lee Johnson, Dean Holden era into something new. And I think Nigel Pearson's the right man to steer it. Yes, they were poor here against West Brom, but they're going to they're gonna be fine this season. I don't think they're any danger of being relegated. They're definitely not going to compete for the playoffs. So you've just got to ride the season out. Very easy for me to say, not a Bristol City fan, but it, you can just tell they're in a transition it's just smacks of transition at Bristol City at the moment.
2: Well they've lost three games in a row but it's got to be said those are three very tricky games. You've got mm-hmm. Bournemouth Forest and then obviously this game here against a West Brom side which was rejuvenated um, and I, I'll admit I'm not a massive Nigel Pearson fan. I think his career is a bit overrated compared to how good it actually is but nonetheless he has done a decent job so far this season with Bristol City. Fans... It's only Twitter rumours, so I'm not sure if it is actually true or not. But anyone saying you're getting sacked in the morning, that's just ridiculous. Because he is doing a good job at Bristol City. And if he's the man they've chosen for him to be, you know, leading this transition, then so be it. Um, but yeah, decent job so far. And what has uh, been a, how long's he been in charge now? What, four months, five months, something like that? He's doing all right, right isn't
3: man. he? Yeah, Probably
2: more than that, actually. Yeah. Um, anyway, Justin, Bournemouth are quite good at football, aren't they? They beat Huddersfield three nil in a, another game that was very one sided. In fact, I say one sided, Bournemouth completely outclassed Huddersfield, didn't they? They they
3: probably could and should have scored more. Yeah, that, that's that's just Bournemouth in a nutshell. They they score a goal, they they again one of those sides that can keep you at arm's length quite quite nicely. Um they can control games, they've got the players, they've got such a mix of players. Um it's 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 brilliant, really, they, because they've got players like Lewis Cook to come back in, but he's a possession. He's so much better in possession, and you've got out of possession players that are very good at what they do, like Ben Pearson and Jefferson Lerma, even though Jefferson Lerma's tweaked his game a little bit this season. Philip Billing, we know, is is, is a very good number eight, number six, and a number ten now. He's, he's just every single player of that club is, is in top, top form, and it's very hard to keep finding praise for them, but there's not much else more we can say about them except that. Dominating games, they're brilliant. They create chances. Very good all-round championship team and the top of the league.
2: Well, there's one player who I don't think we've actually given any praise to this season. That's Dom Solanke. Who got two goals here. He's got ten goals in fourteen games now. And in our everlasting efforts to sing out players who deserve praise, Justin, we should probably give some to him because he is brilliant, isn't he? He's he's one of those kind of figures who gets a bit of stick from you know the internet community for you know how bang average he was in the premier league but he's dropped down to the championship level and he's looking like the striker i think many people are expecting him to be
3: yeah, I, I loved him last season. I thought he was brilliant, um, because he's he's very good with his back to goal. Um, he's very intelligent in dropping into spaces and he and he allowed Dan Juma a lot of um inroads inside uh to to, to come in and score. He was fantastic with his movement and he's tweaked his game a little bit. He's become a bit more of an all round number nine and um he's still got a lot of developing to do as well, which is which is great for him. Um Again, you're looking at physical profile for a player. He's big, he's tall, his finishing ability is great. There's a lot to love uh, about him. And again, he's still very, very young as well. Um, He's become an all-round championship striker, probably not at the same level as Mitrovic, but he's not far off.
2: He's not far off at all. He's not far off in terms of goals either. Um, but you're quite right. He, he, I think, he just needed to drop down a level, didn't he, for mm. him to find his feet. And you're quite. He's only 24. He feels like he's been around for ages, but he is only 24. And when he is back in the Premier League, so he will be back in the Premier League mm. at some point, won't he? Possibly the way things are going with Bournemouth, um, he'll be a better striker than the one that we saw before in the Premier League because he did struggle before. Um, I was just searching. Then did you? Do you remember him playing for England? He's got one cap for England.
3: He nearly scored because I remember him scuffing his shot because I think he made his debut when Tammy Abraham made his debut. I can't remember who it was against, though.
2: It was against Brazil. Brazil. Yeah, it was Brazil, yeah. Came on in as a substitute and then nil-nil draw. I was just searching it the then because it just came into my head. Can't, don't know why. Yeah. Anyway, Bournemouth have conceded three goals in ten games and are now on 34 points after 14 games.
3: Five points clear of anyone else. They're just making it look very easy at the moment, aren't they? It's ruthless efficiency um, and we've, we've seen it with Norwich in the past, we've seen it with, with Leeds, although they obviously leads to drop off at some point. This this ruthless efficiency, this is a very good time for this run of form to to develop for, for a team chasing promotion because um, it's around about the time teams start to fall away because the fixture schedule starts to heat up a little bit um, and what Bournemouth have done, they've managed it very well, they're managing the squad very well. They've, they've brought in players like Gary Cahill, who's got a lot of experience. Robbie Brady is, is in that bracket as well. What, what else more is there to say about Bournemouth? They are a That's brilliant it. side, yeah.
2: That is it. What more can we say about this side who are just, at the moment, tearing teams apart every single week? Um, they're just class, really are, and it's hard to see them stopping at the moment because they are just getting better and better I don't think many Huddersfield fans were expecting much from this game but having said that they didn't cover themselves in much glory being 2-0 down after 20 minutes I was watching this and thinking this could be a very bad afternoon for Hmm. Huddersfield and they're quite fortunate really that it wasn't worse a Tom Bradshaw double helped Millwall beat Stoke 2-1 in the Gary Rowett derby Tom Bradshaw's a funny player, isn't he? You forget he exists and then he'll pop up with two goals every so often and then disappear again for a a few months. It's very odd. There aren't many players like it. Uh, But four wins from five now for Millwall, who are going well, despite fans not being totally in love with Rarot Ball.
3: Uh, Yeah, I see where they're coming from. Obviously, Derby, uh, uh, Gary Rout was manager of Derby for a season and although we got into the playoffs and we dominated teams at times, it wasn't it wasn't sexy domination. Well, yes, I know what you mean. Yeah, um, it wasn't yeah, well, good. For, yeah. When you say sexy domination, out of context, mm. is a bit weird. Uh, yeah. Um it wasn't fantastic football. Is what I was getting at. Definitely getting at. Um, <laughs> uh, so I can see I can see where Millwall fans are coming from. But he's, a, he's he's a results manager. He will play for the result. Whether that's a draw, I um, need a draw against a tough team, or whether it's grinding out a win, he will play. He'll play for the result, um, and, it, and it's working wonders for Millwall at the moment. And you know, if you get more out of players like Tom Bradshaw, takes the pressure off the likes of Jed Wallace um, and obviously Banikofa and players like that. And obviously, keeping clean sheets and, and not conceding goals is important as well. And Millwall do that very well. It's just making sure they're consistent because they can easily fall into the trap of drawing many games.
2: Yeah, I I struggled to see them maintaining it, I've got to say, just because they have constantly lacked that striker who is going to pull their fair share of goals. As I was saying earlier, Tom Bradshaw just pops up every so often, scores a double and then disappears off the face of the earth. Um, But Shea Ojo got an assist yesterday. That'll be a nice bonus because he's a player who could potentially... Help out Wallace in terms of goal contributions and they badly need someone like him as well um, to pull their weight. For Stoke, Remain Sawyer's got his first goal in two years. But apart from that, there weren't many other positives, really. Three defeats in a row for Michael O'Neill's boys. I think if we're being fair, we should point out two of those losses were against Bournemouth and Sheffield United, which are tricky games. And then Mobile away is traditionally also tricky, although I think that's a bit of a myth, to be honest. But either way, <laughs>
3: are you concerned, J.P.? I th- I am a little bit concerned but not necessarily at them losing games. They've they've dropped points from uh, winning positions in two out of the last three games which is which needs to be addressed by O'Neill. Um obviously I wasn't say goals are drying up but getting Tyrese Campbell back fit and getting Surridge firing because I I gave him a lot of uh, praise at the start of the season. I thought he's going to be fantastic but he's not really not really hit the ground running for for Stoke at the moment. Um a lot of things need to be to be sorted and again addressing that um dropping leads thing needs to be needs to be sorted because obviously dropping points not good of
2: course well they're also missing link power now which is a massive blow but we'll talk mm. about that in a bit justin birmingham 2 swansea 1 birmingham have scored a goal it's the end of the world as we know it 580 minutes they went without a goal until troy deaney stuck one away then they scored again later on calm down birmingham you'll be getting a nosebleed at this rate um but we've been saying the goals will come for ages, haven't we? They've mm. been creating shed loads of chances. It was all just a matter of time, wasn't it? It,
3: it was. They, they, they've got a good side, Birmingham City. You look at Troy Dean, who's not been able to get into the starting lineup for the, however many games he's now been signed for the club. Um, he, he, he's a player that can make a difference, and he did that with the with the goal that he scored. It was a very well taken goal as well, because the, the assist from Chong was, was brilliant. Um, but I mean, fair play to to Lee Bowie for not uh, changing the team too much. I mean, it was a, it was a more of an attacking lineup here against Swansea than than what it has been in the past. So you've got to say fair fair play to him for sticking to it because they could have easily. I mean, you look at last season, this time last season dropped off a cliff. They could have easily done that again, but Libo is a good manager. Not allowed it.
2: When I look at the table now, I think. Birmingham are 100% the team I fancy to climb up it because they have been so unfortunate in these past few weeks. And when you keep creating chances, it is going to turn eventually. The strikers are just purely too good to keep missing at the rate that they were aren't they so they're, they're doing well at the back as well Dion Sanderson's been really good for them mm. Mark Roberts is probably one of the more underrated centre-halves in the division they restricted Swansea to just one shot on target on Saturday and that's a side which is you know beat West Brom in midweek then they were creating chances for fun against Cardiff weren't they so uh, Lebo just needed to get the balance right didn't he and they've got winnable games coming up so i definitely say if any team is going to surge up the table over the coming weeks, then it's going to be Birmingham. Uh, thoughts on Swansea, Justin? They gave, uh, they gave Blues a decent game despite only having one shot on target, didn't they?
3: I think they just ran out of steam. Um, you look at the, the, the week that they've had, tough game, tough derby game last Sunday, even tougher game against West Brom. It's going to take it out of you. They've not rotated as much as, uh, as other sides because they, they can't, they don't have the, the strength and depth to do it. But um I think it's just a, a minor blip on what is a very good uh what has been a very good month for Russell Martinus once I see. Coventry's one hundred percent record at home has come to an end. They
2: drew one all with Derby after a late Graham Shinney equaliser. Uh, Justin, you were there, weren't
3: you? What did you make mm. of the game? It was it was a very good game, you know. Um Especially it the- off camera. <laughs> no, I know, but I've had a little bit of time to reflect. I thought Coventry were brilliant in the first half, and I thought Derby were were, were brilliant in the second half. Um, I think the only thing that was missing was quality in front of goal. But you look at Coventry, they carved Derby open quite a few times, but struggled to struggle with the final ball. Um, I mean, Callum Maher was was brilliant. It was great to watch him watch him live. And Victor Guaitares, his movement is great. Should have had a penalty in the second half. Um, but there's a lot to like about Coventry. I think probably just got a little bit complacent uh, towards the end of the game.
2: Well, Derby have proven once again that despite what's going on behind the scenes, they're one of the toughest teams to beat in the division, aren't they? They're such a stubborn side and have proven many times this season that they're going to keep fighting right to the end. Wayne Rooney wasn't at this game because he was feeling unwell. It's that bloody winter flu, isn't it? Everyone's his, getting it at the moment.
3: It's his birthday today.
2: Ah, OK conspiracy not to, spe- not
3: to speculate
2: hmm. well I, I was going to say it's because the temperatures dropped but you may be on to something there Justin <laughs> um, final game was between Fulham and Forest unfortunately that game kicked off at three o'clock on Saturday which is a ridiculously Saturday three o'clock on Sunday which is a ridiculously late time for a game to be happening and that has caused havoc with this particular podcast schedule so to give us an update on how the game went here is Justin Peach from the future
3: Ooh, this is Justin, back from the future. And it was a 4-0 win for Fulham against Forrest. Pretty emphatic stuff from the Cottagers. Fairly lucky uh, in some senses. A 4-0 win definitely flattering them. They scored with three shots on target and an own goal from Jed Spent. Didn't create too many clear-cut chances. Neither side did really. But as I say, it was a scoreline that flattered them. Forrest... Considering it was a 4-0 defeat, there were positives to take away from the game. They were organised, they were able to stretch for them at times but unfortunately they just came up against a side who were ruthless and incredibly efficient in front of goal. When you've got a striker like Mitrovic, you're going to score goals and that happened on this occasion.
2: Thank you, Justin, from the future. Make sure you tell your former self to sort out that trim. Right, now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news. And we'll start off with some injury news. Stoke midfielder Nick Powell is going to miss up to two months after suffering a cracked fibula. It's a real shame, isn't it, Justin? Because, obviously, they've been waiting for ages for Tyrese Campbell to come back into the team. And now that he is going to be back in the team in the near future, at least starting games is what I'm trying to say, it's a, it's annoying that they've lost another key player at the same time.
3: It's sod's law, isn't it? It's frustrating because, as you say, Nick Powell, such a good player, you, you, I imagine it's even more infuriating for Stoke fans that you can't get your best players all of your best players out on the pitch at the same time but Nick Powell I mean his injury record isn't great so and but he's always bounced back he's always bounced back he's always come straight into form um because he's a class player and I expect him to do that so yeah it's a shame that the Stoke are going to miss him but a uh, good time for other players to step up
2: Jack Wilshere has revealed he spoke to Wayne Rooney about signing for Derby. He says it wasn't right for him in the summer, but it depends what comes up for him in January. Would, if you, would you have welcomed Jack Wilshere to Pride Park, Justin?
3: Not with that attitude, no way. Um, it actually it, it irked me a little bit because you've got players like Ravel Morrison, who gets a lot of stick in the media, for, uh, and obviously he's tagged with this bad boy image, but then you've got Jack Wilshere. He's been offered a chance, he's turned it down. But he had this positive PR spin in an interview earlier on in the season about not being able to get a club. He's been offered a chance and you've turned it down. What's what's the point?
2: really thought about it like that, but yeah. you do make a good point really um, yeah, I think he's the kind of player Derby have missed really isn 't he someone who can take the ball in the middle of park to be fair, Max Bird's been doing a very good job of it yeah but he he'd be a I think he would have been ideal for Derby this season i 've got to say BBC journalist David Burns has been banned from interviewing players and management at Hull he 's offered to meet the club and come to a compromise, but that 's been rejected. This has really wound me up, Justin. I think the most cowardly thing you can do as a football club is stop journalists coming in and asking the questions that matter. Because all fans want to know what's going on at the club there at the moment. They want to know why the club are so, playing so badly. We want to know why Grant McCann is sticking with this formation that just isn't working. But when you ban journalists from going to clubs, it's 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 pathetic. It really is pathetic and it's a big sign that the whole hierarchy aren't, you know, willing to communicate with the fans that this is what's going on and they're not getting answers now. So uh, hopefully this will get sorted out because stuff like this shouldn't be happening at any level of football. Former England under 20s manager, Paul Simpson has left Bristol city as a coach. They've come to a mutual agreement after he spent 14 months there. You're a big Paul Simpson fan, aren't you? Just in part of the Steve McLaren glory is. Well, I love Paul Simpson.
3: He's also a very good coach. Obviously won the under 20s world cup with England. Um, so, yeah, I think if any if he goes to any club, he'll be an asset. He's a very good coach. Absolutely.
2: And former Reading goalkeeper Adam Federici has retired. Uh, any memories of Federici, Justin?
3: None stick out. I mean, he played in that uh, FA Cup semi-final, didn't he? And he made a save on the line or he cocked up. I think the ball went under him or something. Mm. He did something significant in the FA Cup semi-final against Arsenal. But I can't remember. I
2: can't remember. I remember him being very good. He was a very good championship keeper, wasn't he?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a few years, yeah. yeah. Um, but can't remember that specific moment that is going to bother me now for the next three days.
2: It's so, all right. You can have a search for it after this podcast is finished. So, Shall we do some polls, Justin? This is the part of the show where we give our listeners three questions on Twitter because we want to get their thoughts on what's going on with the world. The first question we asked Justin was this. Uh, who should be... The next Cardiff manager—a nice, simple question. The options we gave were Michael Flynn, Chris Houghton, Jody Morris, or Chris Wilder. What do you think? Uh,
3: probably Chris Wilder, but I think Michael Flynn. Still, I still think he's the better better option. I, I thought you might have gone with Jody Morris because you're a big Jody Morris fan as well, aren't you? Not the right club for him. He needs a he needs a, a Swansea City or a, or a Derby. I think it's a mm. club that invests in the youth.
2: I can see where you're coming from Chris Wilder won the poll with 57% of the vote Chris Huchin got 20% Jody Morris 12% Michael Flynn got 11% so not much love for Flynny uh, Will Bournemouth ever lose a game of football ever again yes or no
3: um, Who have they got next because what I say the opposite happens so i I'll, 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 I'll say no um, I'll say no they'll never lose a game of football ever again They've got Reading next weekend you're welcome, Reading fans. <laughs> uh,
2: 60% of people said yes, they will lose a game again. 40% of people said no. And finally, are you tired today? Yes or
3: no? We've discussed this at length uh, in, in, in breaks uh, in recording. I'm absolutely exhausted. I've not played football this weekend. That's you know, mm. Why? Why am I tired, Ryan? Why am I tired?
2: Yeah, I'm tired today as well, but we still put out a bloody good podcast, haven't we? But I was wondering if you know maybe it's just a general thing maybe everyone's tired today uh, and 81 percent of people said yes they are tired today
3: wow what's that about some some weird phenomenon going on the winter weird. blues yeah. are setting in
2: possibly possibly yeah. so or maybe everyone's just getting drunk all the time who knows mm-hmm. and now it's time for this
1: hi simon grayson
2: So this is Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight. Welcome back to the show. Blackpool vlogger and blogger Jane Stewart and Paul Mann from the Reading podcast Elm Park Royals. So I'm gonna ask the guys here to name eight of a certain subject. All they've got to do is work together to name all eight. So, for example, if I were to say name eight of Wayne Routledge's clubs, and Jane would say Swansea, that's one down, and Paul would say QPR, that's another down. But if Justin would say Weymouth, then he'd be out. So what you need to do, chaps, is give me eight answers without all of you being eliminated. <laughs> who's that (laughs) that's my girlfriend
1: killing the second tier podcast (laughs) hiya um she never done that to mine so i'm really really happy about that
2: (laughs) sorry about that keep that in as well it's absolutely fine Uh, (laughs) this is a bit of a different one this week there are eight championship clubs which don't have an animal included on their badge can you name them um Oh, God. Even when I was putting this together, I knew it was going to be controversial. So I'm not including humans as animals, but I am including dragons. So (laughs) make of that what you will. (laughs) So eight championship clubs which don't have an animal on their badge. Um, Jane, you can go first. Can you name a championship badge which doesn't have an animal on it?
4: Uh, I'm going to guess at Fulham because I think that's just FFC, isn't it?
2: You're absolutely right. Fulham's badge okay. is literally just FFC. So Jane is through. Paul, will go to you next. Can you name another animal-less badge, please? Uh, Bournemouth. Yes, absolutely right. It's a person heading a football, I think. Um, <laughs> Justin, we'll go to you. Uh, to Birmingham City. Yes, that is planet Earth balancing on top of a football. Um, <laughs> this is the stupidest quiz I've ever done. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Jane, yeah. we'll go to you next.
4: Um, Nottingham Forest? Is that a tree?
2: It is a tree. You're absolutely right. Uh, Paul, you'll go. Oh, my God. Barnsley? Barnsley is incorrect. See, <laughs> while I was preparing this quiz, I had to yeah. write down all the different animals that on the different badges. <laughs> Barnsley's badge has a dragon on it. It's very small oh, yeah. tiny dragon on it. Uh, so, Paul, you're out, unfortunately. That means it's down to Justin and Jane. Uh, you've got duh, 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 five to go. Justin, you'll go um four to go sorry yeah barzy would have been the ones that i've said uh blackburn yep that's correct blackburn's badge is the red rose of lancashire uh jen your guy
4: um i'm gonna guess at cardiff because they had some weird branding going on the other year didn't they
2: Cardiff badge has a dragon on it.
4: Oh, unfortunately, the
2: the Welsh dragon. I'm going to assume it is. So, Jane, you're out. Justin, you've got three left. Can you pull this over the line?
3: Bristol City. No, 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 no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, Bristol City's is one of the most obvious. Yeah, know they <laughs> got
3: a big bird on it. You know oh. what?
2: I, I'll let I'll let you go. Um, you can have another go because this is Red- a bit of a silly quiz. Reading. <laughs> Reading's really? badge has a tiny lion on it. Oh, a tiny, tiny little lion, tiny, on it. tiny, tiny, <laughs> tiny. It's like hey, yeah, Ryan, a it's, a beast. Four, <laughs> it? it's a beast of a lion, absolutely. Right. <laughs> uh, yes, that's incorrect, unfortunately. Reading's badge has a lion on it. The badges you were looking for is QPR, which is literally okay. just QPR, um, Sheffield United's badge, which has two swords on it. And then Stoke's badge is just stripes and it says Stoke City on it. So they were the badges you were looking for. Um, So unfortunately, guys, you failed at Simon Grayson's Hateful Eight this week. Unlucky. Hopefully you'll do better next time you're on. But thank you for coming on the show today. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Thursday to go and look ahead to the weekend's games in the Championship once again. We've got some big games coming up, including Fulham v. West Brom. But thank you to our guests on the show this week, Jane Stewart, who is a vlogger slash blogger for Blackpool. Jane, thank you for your time today.
4: Thank you very much for having me on. And that was a great quiz. I enjoyed that.
2: I still think it's stupid, but nonetheless, <laughs> Paul, who is from Elm Park Royals, thank you for your time today.
1: I didn't enjoy that quiz, but yeah, I enjoyed it overall. Thank you.
2: <laughs> oh, let's just put this to an end, shall we? This has been the Second Tier podcast. We'll be back again on Thursday. I've been Ryan
3: Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening.